right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hello. Hello, hello. What? Hey, you seem juiced up today about oh, I'm tomorrow. Up. Oh, I am fired up mm-hmm. about this. I'm fired up. I didn't it, realize earlier in the week I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. And now I'm fired up. I didn't realize you, you were you were so concerned about KU women's basketball playing UMKC. I, I don't know. I mean, I like yeah, I'm no, excited. I'm fired for up, it, but it. I feel like it's going to be a blowout. I mean, so, it should be you know. a game where they dominate and reassert, uh, you know, some dominance after a tough loss against yeah, Penn State. I am jacked. KU is taking on K State Saturday, six o'clock. Who? K-State, uh, Nick's going to be out for the KISS crew at Big Mill, 3.30 to 5.30. We don't have our normal KU tailgating show, but he will be out there giving away free prizes at Big Mill, 3.30 yeah. to 5.30. Because of the aforementioned KU women's game, yes. which will be airing right here. At 3 o'clock. Line. And then once the KU women's game ends here on KLWN, we'll switch over to pregame coverage, and then that'll lead into kickoff at 6 for KUK State. You can also hear it over on 105.9 KISS. By the way, we were brought to you here today by 23rd Street Brewery. So uh, we're going to be previewing KUK State a lot throughout the show. Uh, the big DL, David Lawrence, is going to join us at 340. Uh, Lee Sterling at 430. We've got our game picks. we got our KU game picks and a bunch of KU football audio from some of the players, Dominic Pooney, Rich Miller, Kenny Logan, and Mike Nowitzki coming up later in the show. So let's get right into it with the KUK State preview. We yep. asked this question before every game. I'll ask it right now. Okay. I think I know the answer. Okay. How important is this game? Dude, it's like the most important game ever. Right? That seems a little excessive. <laughs> but, like, if you're talking about regular season games. I mean, dude. This is the most important regular season Kansas football game since, since the Missouri game in 07. Yeah. I mean, that that one, beyond being a rivalry, had implications of, of BC, Big yes. 12 title, of national title, possibly, right? So, I mean, that that one, you know, it's you're not going to chomp that. But, but yeah. it, it just in terms of regular season games lately, like, yes, there have been other important regular season ones. It's it's this one for sure. Yeah. Over the last I think, 13, 14 years. I think coming into this season and really over the course of the year, for a lot of KU fans, this game has been kind of the culminating moment of Lance Leipold before the season, Jalen Daniels and everything, and saying, okay, this is this is your time. This is this is the year that you beat Kansas State. This is the year that you end the streak, right? You're going to get them at home. Last game in the booth. Obviously, we didn't know that back in the summer because they hadn't they hadn't fully announced all their plans and whatnot for the Gateway Project. But but yeah, coming. I think a lot of KU fans probably felt the most confidence about this game that they've ever felt in a long time until last Saturday, <laughs> and then Jason Bean gets hurt and Cole Ballard comes out and. The temperature of the KU fans, if you're someone who's on social media or who is active on some of the message boards, the temperature of KU fans on like Monday and Tuesday was really bad mm-hmm. <laughs> for this game. I saw a lot of people that were just 
already resigned to the fact that K-State was going to roll into Lawrence and blow out KU again for, uh, you know, the, the 13th, 14th straight time, whatever. And it was going to be a sea of purple. K-State's going to dominate. Blah, 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 blah. I don't foresee any scenario, whether it's Cole Ballard, whether it's you, whether it's me starting at quarterback. I don't see any scenario where K-State blows this game out, where they win big, okay? This is the most talented KU team they've had since they've lost 14 straight. This is the best coached KU team they've had since they've lost 14 straight. They don't get blown out, really. You look at you look at under Lance Leipold, after the first year, first year, there were some blowouts. Besides the first year, KU has really, truly only been dominated and blown out in what? Two games? One game? They got blown out big by Texas last yeah. year, and that's basically it. And then the Texas game this year, I guess you can maybe call it a blow. I don't know. You can maybe call it a blow, but it's a six-point game in the th- late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So I just I just don't foresee any scenario where K State rolls in and dominates. I don't I don't see how that could happen, and I don't care who's playing quarterback. I really believe that the way this coaching staff operates, the way Lance Leipold operates, the amount of talent and the amount of pride that this Kansas team has, I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I think this is going to be a competitive game from start to finish. And I think Kansas, regardless of if it's Cole Ballard or Jason Bean starting, will have a legitimate chance to try to win this game. I believe that. When you look at Kansas State, and yes, they are probably playing their best football right now. They seem to be peaking at the right time with what they're doing. Will Howard has been outstanding. You know, you, you flash back five weeks, you know, five or six weeks, and... I, in my mind, I thought to myself, man, I hope K-State plays Will Howard and not Avery Johnson when they play KU. Well, now Will Howard has, has, has come back to sort of that form he had late last season that led Kansas State to the Big 12 title. He's been outstanding. I think 12 touchdowns and one interception over his last five games. Uh, he's been really, really good. Really, really Has really stepped it up. And so now that's what you're going to have to deal with if you're the Kansas defense. K-State's rushing attack has been really, really good. You know, DJ Giddens and Trayshawn Ward maybe aren't necessarily household names or super flashy yeah. names. No, it's like 11, 1,200 total yards. But they are very, yards. yeah, but they are really, really good, those two guys. And they have a great offensive line as well. They've got a great tight end. Their receivers have been inconsistent to bad at times, but just like I mentioned with Will Howard, they seem to be playing their best right now. Uh, so the offense is going to be a challenge. So the K-State offense is going to be a challenge certainly for KU. And on the flip side, the K-State defense also, I, I don't want to say f- – fluky but when you look at some of the what kind of the results they've had they they've had a little bit of TCU luck this season they, they've gotten to play a lot of backup quarterbacks and they're going to get to play another one guaranteed regardless um uh, uh tomorrow but they, they've had especially in some of their home games where they've really dominated I, I, I don't know I think their defense is still maybe not totally rock solid and I think there's definitely opportunities for KU to take advantage and be able to score some points so yeah, I, I feel pretty good about the matchup, to be honest. I think K, I think Kansas is is, is in position to, to make this a game for sure. Uh, I think the booth is going to be absolutely jam-packed. There's going to be a lot of KU fans. It should be a great atmosphere. And even though you don't have Jalen Daniels, I, to me, this is still the best chance you have to beat K-State going into the game in quite a long time. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely think, uh, like, when you're talking about importance of this game – you know, at this point, it's 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 tough to get the scenario for KU to make a big 12 title game. So, you know, it doesn't have an impact there. Um, it's a top twenty five matchup. I don't though. even I don't even care about that. Yeah, it's it's the last game of this version of 
the booth. It's senior day, so you're trying to send them out on top, and it's yep. trying to beat them for the first time in 14 games. And then that's what it really is, the 14-game losing streak. This would do such wonders in local recruiting. KU has done a great job establishing some pipelines in some other areas, Arizona, Detroit, and you know wherever else. And they have brought on some some nice local talent that have, you know, you even see like Devin Neal and Jared Casey in the starting lineup, right? And uh, becoming big players. So, yeah. like, they, they have, they're making inroads, but it goes a long way. A lot of these kids who are in high school now have grown up and they have never seen Kansas beat Kansas State, or at least consciously watching football, have never seen Kansas beat Kansas State. Or even really seen them be very competitive a lot of the yeah. time. And so if you're a local kid who's, who ends up you know, going to one of the local schools, a lot of times Kansas State ends up being the pick. Well, you've started to make inroads there. If you can win a game like this, I think the local recruiting aspect would be such a huge boon to Kansas to at least start, you know... I don't know, uh, putting a crack into that, putting a dent into what Kansas State has established all these years in terms of the local in-state recruiting and all the local kids they have. I mean, like I look at I look at Kansas State's secondary, and they've got two guys uh, who were playing in the Sunflower League. Jacob Parrish was at Olathe North a year or two ago, and uh, Keenan Garber was at Free State, you know, uh, three, four years ago or whatever it was. And, like, you have that all throughout the roster. And, and these kids, uh, for them, they, they take it so seriously because they've grown up in the state and this game means so much to them. And, and I think having Sean Snyder now and, and having some of these players that are key on your team that are from the state, like Devin Neal and, and so forth, it does help you um, in that area. But, th- but that's what you're trying to accomplish. You are trying to accomplish in-state dominance, which you haven't had any. It's been all Kansas State. So, yes, this is a very, very important game. Now, as far as the Kansas State scouting report, Nick talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that make them run. They are 11th overall on ESPN SP Plus right now. So they're 21st in the college football playoff rankings. ESPN SP Plus really likes them for what they've done. Now, as Nick said, um, the schedule, I don't know, remains something to be desired. I I don't know. How different is Kansas State's schedules than, than KU's, for instance? Like, um, if you were to cross-compare and say, okay, both schools played Texas, right? Yeah, on the what, road. Yeah. What, what would be KU's second toughest game? Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, one yeah. of those two. Oklahoma. Well, if it's Oklahoma, uh, K State played at Missouri, and Missouri's ranked higher than Oklahoma. Oh, I thought you were talking about Big Twelve play. You're talking overall. I'm just talking overall. Okay. I'm just talking. I'm just like cross comparing the schedule because there are certain concerns about it. But the more I think about it, like, are we sure their schedule is not harder than Kansas? Uh, again, okay, both played at Texas. <clears throat> if their second best game is at Missouri, that's a higher ranked game than playing Oklahoma at home. And then you go to the third game, both at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, you go to the fourth game. I don't know what it would be for Kansas, but. Probably Iowa State on the road. Okay, Iowa State on the road. So for them, it's either at Texas Tech. Yeah, it's probably at Texas Tech. Those are about equal. Yeah. Um. So I guess, I, I don't know. We could keep going down this exercise. I don't really want to. But my point is, even though there are some games you could be like, ah, they got to play Baylor and TCU, which Kansas wasn't fortunate enough to have. Well, I mean, look, yeah, look at their look at their last three home games. Yeah, TCU, Houston, Baylor. I know, but like, they won a Texas Tech by seventeen. You just lost to Texas Tech. Yeah. They, you know, uh, two of their three losses are by three points to top ten teams right now. So I, I think this is a really good team, and that's reflected in the ESPN SP Plus. Yeah, um, they are tenth on offense. There, they're twenty seventh on defense. One thing that's kind of been talked about this week, they're only sixty seventh on special teams. So like, you might be able to have a bit of an avenue there. 
yeah. the offensive line might be their best unit. I don't I don't know. It's certainly up there. Uh, they're experienced. They're 42nd pass blocking grade, 16th run blocking grade, but yeah. they're just, they're experienced. They know how to play together. They don't make mistakes. It's it's a really solid offensive line. Yeah, they, they had some injuries earlier in the year, but they've got that ironed out. And, and yeah, to your point, they've been really, really good. They probably have the best offensive lineman in the conference with Gord Beebe, uh, who I think could have easily been a high draft pick last year mm-hmm. and decided to come back. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of their strengths that KU, and, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, what makes that worse for Kansas is, Obviously, the D-line, especially the interior of the D-line for KU, has been pretty banged up the past couple weeks, right? I mean, Devin Phillips has been out. Uh, you, you've, you haven't seen as much of some of those other guys either. So that could be maybe a concern with the middle of that KU defensive line. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're fifth in the conference in yards per rush. They're fifth in passing yards per play. So this is just kind of a balanced offense that's solid at both. They're not elite at either, but they're good at both. Uh, Will Howard, like you said, has been playing really well. The weapons don't jump off the page, but like Ben Sinnott is a really good tight end. Um, you know, they, they have enough there. They have some players who can at least make you miss a little bit with the ball in their hands, even if they're yeah. not like go up and, and get it receivers. They have some guys that have also had a lot of success previously against Kansas. You look yeah. at a guy like Phillip Brooks, who's been uh, a major cornerstone of them having success, whether it was on special teams or in their offense over the past couple seasons against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Now, they haven't been great at pass rush defensively, but overall they've been a good defense. Uh, it, it's kind of similar, honestly, defensively, them to Iowa State. Both play 3-3-5, so there's, there's similarities there. They have a couple guys that'll get you a little bit more than Iowa State does, but for the most part, they've just been like a really good coverage team. Uh, they're third in completion percentage against. They're third in pass efficiency defense. They are second in yards allowed per pass. Uh, but they also stopped the run. They're second in rushing yards allowed per game in the Big 12. And that's been something we've seen Kansas have trouble with, the 3-3-5, whether it was Oklahoma State or Iowa State running the football. So they've done a good job against both. This is one of the better defenses in the Big 12. And uh, they've only given up, I think it's 30-plus points twice. I think that's what Brian Borland was saying earlier this yeah, week. Yeah, so Texas and Missouri. And Missouri, yeah. And so obviously both those games they 30 lost. 30 and 33. So it's not like they're like given up 40 in those games. Like, it's barely scraping above 30, and they lost both games. So I guess that becomes a bit of a conversation. Can you score 30 points in this one to win the game? Um, it becomes challenging against a really good defense, especially if you're on your third-string quarterback. I think Kansas can do that. I don't know that I'm picking them too, but I think they can. But they're going to need to run the ball a lot better than they did in the yeah. uh, the Oklahoma State and Iowa State games. So. For sure, yeah. And I think one of the themes you kind of highlighted there with the 3-3-5 defense, kind of one of the inherent themes of when you run that defense is you may not have as good of a pass rush as you alluded to, but when you're dropping eight guys in coverage basically every play, it's going to make it tough. It's going to make it tough to, to find a lot of holes in the defense. And so if you're looking at if it's Cole Ballard maybe playing and he's, he's going to be starting, he's got to be pretty locked in and make sure that he, he understands what, what where he wants to go with the ball and and throw it with some confidence against a Kansas State defense that has been forcing more turnovers also as well. Uh, the, the one area that I want to highlight with the defense for Kansas State that I think I talked about earlier in the week is they do have a lot of injuries at the linebacker spot right now. They're going to be starting a couple of young linebackers that maybe don't have as much of experience. They've, they've dealt with, a, I think they've got they've had two or three guys that have gone down with season-ending season injuries at that position. Uh, so they maybe are a little bit weaker or don't have as much depth and maybe not as much experience at that position. And, and with an offense like Kansas, to me, it feels like you that's something you can even be able to exploit even further. Because if you're going to have a lot of pre-snap motion like Kansas likes to use, if you're going to have a lot of you know option plays and a lot of movement around, around on the line of scrimmage, that should 
even further work in your favor trying to get those linebackers out of position to where maybe you can hit Mason Fairchild up the seam, to where maybe you can you know run that speed option to the sideline and get some success and, and have Devin Neal score a 60-yard touchdown like he did against Texas Tech. So that, that to me, is the area of the Kansas State defense I'm, I'm most intrigued by to where I think KU, if I'm Andy Kolnicki, I'm looking and saying, okay, we have a scheme here to where a lot of things that we like to do should be working even better against a young and experienced linebacking core where if we put guys in motion pre-snap, if we're running option plays, if we're doing things like that and we're executing at a high level, we should be able to find a lot of success in getting those guys out of position and then exploiting that. So that's kind of what I'm looking for there. Now, but to, on the flip side of that, their secondary has been really, really solid. So they're going to have to find ways to get guys open. But I like Kansas receivers, obviously. I think they're, they should be able to find ways to get open. But, yeah, I think kind of circling back to your original point, though, on that, Derek, which is the run game is going to need to be effective early and often, I think, in this game for, for Kansas. Uh, I, I think it's one thing to have a game like you did against Texas Tech where you were able to bust a big one and you ended up running the ball well overall. But Texas Tech was doing pretty good against your run game early. I think in a game like this against Kansas State, you want to be effective on the ground right from the start uh, to really, really establish that. And, and I think it almost comes down to like a confidence thing, right? Like if you're able to run the ball successfully early in the game, you plant that seed of doubt in the defense of, man, can we really can we really fire off the ball and stop these guys on the ground? And it, it can that, that, that can snowball. So I would really like to see Kansas be effective early on the ground in this game uh, compared to maybe what we saw against Texas Tech where it kind of took them some time to get going. I think it needs to be from the first snap on offense. You need to be establishing the line of scrimmage and running the ball successfully. Okay. All right, let's continue on with the preview. We're going to take a quick break in the action. David Lawrence will join us in about 20 minutes. More KUK State talk after this timeout on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN. Depend on it. David Lawrence is going to join the show in 15 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk as we talk plenty of KUK State on today's episode of the show so uh what scares you most about what kansas state does well what is the thing or things that you think could be most challenging for the jayhawks mm. well i think with kansas state anytime you talk about a team like this it's it's usually their execution and their discipline i mean that's normally what they pride themselves on uh and when you look at what they've been doing recently we kind of touched on it it's it feels like they are doing that even to a higher level now at this point in the season uh they've, they've been kind of you know i mean you look at the texas game a game that I think K-State fans probably feel like they should have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got first and goal at the six-yard line in overtime to go win it, and you don't get it done. So, And then you look at some of the other results they've had recently. They, they are playing at their highest level right now. Uh, so just the fact they've been able to peak at the right time and, and are peaking at the right time uh, r- really jumps out to me and I think is is definitely really concerning. And and I think you got to go back to that ground game, right? I mean, in a game like this, in a rivalry game, and I just talked about it with on the Kansas side, for Kansas State, the, the same applies, though. In a game like this, in a rivalry game, and it almost applies more to Kansas State because they're on the road, if you're able to get out there and just get six yards of carry, that just completely zaps all of the energy from the stadium, all of the energy from the defense of Kansas, and that is my most, my biggest concern. Because you saw it against Texas Tech, what Texas Tech was able to do early. Now, Kansas did adjust and eventually was able to kind of slow down the Texas Tech rushing attack, but uh, I'm that's my biggest concern is that I think Kansas State, it's very possible, could could come out and just be like, you know what, we're better up front, we're just going to run it, and it may have a lot of success. And if they do that early, that is just going to be such an energy sucker of the stadium and, and the atmosphere, and the Kansas defense has to be ready for it. So that, that's a big concern for me, is, is if they do just come out with Giddens and Ward and are able to just really 
run HB dive mm-hmm. <laughs> with a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah, I would point to a couple things. Uh, one is, is obviously, this is a good coverage unit, as we talked about. The coverage grades, the stats are good from the past defense. And that going up against a true freshman quarterback. And this is a defense that disguises things. They mix coverages up. They do a lot of creative stuff in the back end. That is a little bit scary to me when you have a a freshman quarterback uh, who, I don't know. It's. I mean, should we go ahead and address it right now of are who, we, do we think who, who do we think is going to start? Yeah, I mean, it could be Jason Mean. That's the thing. Um, I said yesterday that I was starting to feel like Jason Mean was going to start. Okay. I'm seeing the betting line move today, and it's going to like 10 points now for Kansas as opposed to 7.5, and, and that's making me think that it's going to be Cole Ballard <laughs> starting and that somebody in Vegas knows something, you know? A little Vegas knows something So situation. yesterday I was I was leaning Jason Bean. Today I'm leaning Ballard again. I have been the same the whole week. Mm-hmm. I've been the same. I've had the same thought process as when I woke up Sunday morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Today I've had the same thought process. I, I'm pretty confident Cole Ballard is going to be the starter. I also am confident, though, at the same time, that Jason Bean is going to play in some capacity, if nothing else, because it's senior night and this is his last game. I, so I don't, I don't know, but I, I think Cole Ballard is going to end up playing a significant majority of the snaps at quarterback. That is my current assumption. I think, uh, to your point, I, it felt like kind of early in the week it was there's no chance of Jason Bean. Then Lance Leipold is, you know, saying some stuff, whatever. Then on Wednesday, Andy Kolnicki says Jason Bean took a whole lot of reps, whatever that means. And people were then, to your point, Wednesday and even yesterday, it was kind of back on the side of, well, okay, Jason Bean's going to play. Jason Bean's going to start. I've always been the same. I, I and, and I hope I'm wrong on this, like I've said earlier in the week. But I just I just feel like Cole Ballard is probably going to be the guy for the majority of the snaps. But, again, I also I also do feel as though Bean is going to play – in some capacity, either as some kind of decoy or maybe they do bring him in for some plays at quarterback, which then you get into the age-old question of, well, if he's good enough to play 10 plays, then he's good enough to play all the plays. Well, with the way Kansas plays, and if they want to utilize their quarterback in the rushing game or what, or however their scheme is, that might not be the case. So, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it, that does scare me that, that Kansas State, with their defense, like you alluded to, has been forcing a lot of turnovers and even though Cole Ballard was really was really successful and really poised uh, against Texas Tech, now Kansas State's had a whole week to to, to game plan, and what are they going to come up with that could possibly possibly fluster Cole Ballard? Yeah, um, I I don't know because he feels so mature beyond his years, but we also saw him such a limited sample. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, that that could be a possibility. Um, the other thing is that K State leads the Big Twelve in third down rate offensively. KU is about middle of the pack defensively in third down rate. Uh, that's something that scares me. And that kind of goes back to the running game too. What are you giving them up there? Uh, yeah. Also, the red zone stuff. We saw KU struggle red zone last week. K State has been like one of the best red zone offenses, and KU has been the worst red zone defense. So that might not be a good match. Can you at least? The thing about red zone offense and red zone defense is that as like in a one game sample, it's almost like a, a hitter who, you know, strikes out two times a game in baseball. In a one game sample, he might not strike out. Like you could you could have a really good red zone game, you know, or, or a red, good red zone defense game. Well, so okay, maybe wanna, that'll be helpful. I want to touch on this because yeah. earlier in the year, a couple weeks ago, you know, halfway through the season, you had said or we had discussed this, you'd brought up the point that 
at some point with the red zone defense for Kansas, water will find its level and the def- and the red zone defense is not going to be as bad. Well, guess what? It's that not, hasn't really yeah. happened. <laughs> so, Which what does that tell you? I mean, what does that mean? Maybe it's it's just bad. Good. It's just really bad. Red zone defense. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I, I don't know. What else do you take away? No, from, I, right? I I I agree with you. I agree with you because we. I mean, we had this discussion. You know, when six games into the season, Kansas, I think at that point hadn't even. It was 100. percent I think still at that point in the red zone for their opponents, and now it's what 98. percent They've had like two red zone trips a whole season that weren't touchdowns yeah. or weren't points. I guess I should say. So uh, at what point does that just become a a situation of well, you know, it's one of those things where water will find its level, they'll be fine, and to where now it's just. They're just bad in the red zone on yeah, defense. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of there, to be honest. Which is frustrating because... It is. I mean, the field's condensed. You should have a better chance of having some sort of success. Well, and the other thing area. is like that... And okay, it's not this, like KU's been just getting gashed on the run defense. This defense has been better than it was last year. Now imagine if they were just like middle of the pack in Big 12 and red zone defense. Yeah. They'd be like a, a good defense, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's what's a little unfortunate there. The, the last thing that scares me a little bit here is they're forcing a ton of turnovers lately. K-State forced four last game against Baylor. They forced three the game before that against Texas, and they have forced 13 total over the last five games. If you have a freshman quarterback in there, and that's been the real big difference is that, you know, in games where KU has forced two or more turnovers, they're 4-0. and And then when when K-State, you know, they're, they're not really turning it over much. So uh, you look at K- KU defensively, and they – if they're opportunistic, it, it's very helpful to win the game. But then on the flip side, K-State's forcing a ton of turnovers, so it increases both, A, the need to have ball security, and, B, to force I, – I think Kansas has to force at least two turnovers defensively to win this game. Maybe yeah. three. Which could be tough. But when you think about what – I mean, look at some of Kansas's wins in Big 12 play. A lot of them have been accentuated by a non-offensive score from the defense or from via special teams. I do think it feels like KU will probably need that in this game against Kansas State. They're going to need either not necessarily a defensive score, but a big defensive play, i.e. turnover that sets them up, or possibly some sort of special teams play. That feels like almost a prerequisite for Kansas if they want to win this game against Kansas State. They need something because when you look at these Sunflower Showdown games in recent memory, a lot of times those big plays have gone against Kansas. I mean, dude, the O.J. Burroughs muff punt was just brutal last season. And then you look at some of the special teams' successes that Kansas State has had previously with punt return touchdowns and whatnot and, and kickoffs. And you need, If you're Kansas, you need that to go your way, mm-hmm. either in special teams or, on, or, like I said, some kind of defensive. It doesn't necessarily have to be a defensive touchdown, but something, something like that. All right, KU wins if what? Uh, make it quick because we got to get to DL here soon. Yeah, I think KU wins if like I just alluded to, if they do get one of those big game-changing plays from special teams or defense, and, and I think if they're able to run their get their ground game going early, and if it is Cole Ballard, take some pressure off of him, and and keep the crowd in it, right? I, I think this 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 game epitomizes. I so I've made some bold statements previously about taking the ball first if you're Kansas. This is a game where I would almost consider doing it again. I would almost consider saying, if you're Kansas and you have a chance to get the ball first, take it. Because you want this crowd in it to the max, and if you get the ball first and go down and score, or you know have something like that happen, that's that goes even further for that. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about it. I've I've been bolder in some other areas, but I will say, 
I think maybe K should take the ball first here and try to go score and get the crowd in it quickly. I got a three qu- quick ones. 11-1 and one in the Leipold arrow and giving up 30 or less. So can you hold them to under 30? Uh, number two, the turnover battle. Just talked about it. K-State's 0-2 this year when they have two or more turnovers. Unfortunately, it's only happened twice. And number three, what you said, running the football. Uh, KU struggled against the 3-3-5, but K-State has, even though they're, they're one of the best run defenses overall, Texas ran for 230, 6.2 yards per carry. Texas Tech ran for 182, 6.1 yards per carry. Oklahoma State ran for 174, 4.4 yards per carry. And UCF ran for 143, 4.2 yards per carry. Can you dominate on the ground? Those are the keys. KU wins if that, if any of those happen or maybe two of the three happen. All right, uh, David Lawrence joins us next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network, who uh, I guess busy time of year for you, DL, between doing pre- and post-game for KU basketball, uh, doing everything you do with the KU women's basketball team. you got KU football going on right now. Uh, but obviously it's a big one on Saturday. KUK State, uh, 14 straight losses. It's a final game in front of, I guess, this version of David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. It's senior day, so a lot going on here. Uh, let's start right there with senior day. When you think about this senior class, there's there's 19 seniors, and certainly the guys that stick out, you know, Kenny Logan, Mike Nowitzki, Mason Fairchild, on and on and on and on the, down the list. What does this senior class, do you think, mean to this Kansas program and in, in helping turn this thing around? It's great being on with you, first of all, Derek. Um, I think that first and foremost, this this is what you need to end your career in a high-profile, sold-out game where you get the respect and, and honor that you deserve. And, you know, you've known me. Uh, we used to do a show together. I, I probably used to tell you I just hated at the end of the year during our downtime where there wasn't a lot of fans in the stands there wasn't a bowl game to play for, and uh, you know our seniors just kind of got overlooked. You know, like like they meant less to the program because, or you know, they did less a job just because the team wasn't successful. So uh, I'm so happy that they will uh, get honored uh, the way they should. You know, I think what jumps out regarding your question is just guys that that uh, kind of that first class is always the one that says, uh, Hey, I, I, I believe in coach Leipold. I, I think, you know, I think he, he can turn this thing around despite the fact that Kansas has not seen that turnaround for better than a decade. People, you know, like, um, Kenny Logan, you know, staying around people like Hayden Hatcher staying around, and, you know, Rich Miller and Nowitzki, um, believe in, in their ball coach at Buffalo. And uh, you could, I guess, kind of understand why they would want to stay with Coach Leipold. But but those uh, are the guys, Dominic Pooney making the track over from Central. And I'll never forget that there was 
several other transfers that year from bigger programs, Power Five programs, and no one talked about Pooney. And I looked at this guy's tape at Central Missouri, and he was phenomenal. And he turns out, you know, um, he, he has to be the, the best transfer that we've had. I mean, the guy's going to be up there for, uh, you know, first team all conference. And, you know, I shouldn't say best because Austin Booker will be regarded that same way. But um, so so it's just guys that, that bet on the future of Lance Leipold. And, uh, and I think they'll be fittingly honored tomorrow in front of a sold-out booth. So uh, I'm happy for that. And this is the way you end your career. It reminds me of, you know, I ended my career against a, a top – a highly ranked Missouri team and it was sold out and the bowl game was on the line. So similar situation that that's, that's, that's what makes memories where people when they're 60 years old can look back and say, wow, that was really neat. And so that's, that's a memory these guys will have. Well, how, do, how does this game, I mean, when you played, what, what was the biggest difference? I know it's different now. KU's not playing Missouri. I know they'll restart it in a few years, but when you played, what was the biggest difference for the rivalry of playing K-State versus playing Missouri? It, it was night and day. And it's, you know, and, and I say that respectively and because I, I regard Bill Snyder's as the greatest coaching job in the history of the game because the pressure we had that was kind of passed down from uh, classes before me was not beating K-State more than they beat you. It's sweeping K-State. You need to sweep K-State and at least break even with Missouri. But if you wanted to um, have be regarded as the best class, you had a winning record against Missouri and you sw- swept K-State. And my class swept K-State. We broke even against Missouri. So, we, you know, I, I guess one out of two wasn't bad. So, you know, uh, we didn't, I guess, consider it a rivalry as much. And I'm not talking trash. That's just... That's just how it was. I mean, they were not a good football team and not a good football program. And and we still had down years back then. And, and we certainly, uh, even in the down years, wanted to make sure that we beat Kansas State. I mean, that was just – and there would be a lot of close games. Uh, and, you know, we, we won some close games. It was closer than what we wanted it to be because it, it's always been such a big game for K-State. But Bill Snyder changed everything. And uh, of course, the rivalry is on the other side. And of course, you can you can understand how much we dominated K State because even though, what K State's won 14 in a row, but you know we still have 15 more wins over them. So uh, it, it was like 60 years of just total dominance. But that it's just a different world now. And Bill Snyder and, and Kleiman's continuing that. Um, you know the fact that he's doing such a good job, and it's, it's hard to follow Bill Snyder. Uh, but he's done a good job of it. Well, this is also the final game in, in this version of David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. It'll you know start construction and basically as soon as this one's over. Um, I, I guess uh, what, what does that add anything to this game? I mean, it's it's still going to be you know a stadium. It's still going to be at the same spot. Uh, uh, do you have a favorite memory? I guess in inside the the booth in this current form of it. You know that uh, Haney asked me that yesterday and. There will be some nostalgia, and, and I'm sure that I'll be going and, and walk. I love to walk on campus and and, and just kind of relive the memories. But you mentioned location, 
that's the important thing. That's what makes it special. The stadium, the building itself, you know, has never been the best. I, I love the facade on, on the north side. But outside of that is, yeah, you do relive memories. You know, the the senior day memory that I've already uh, mentioned, uh, the memories of some special Mason years, special Mangino years, and now special Leipold years are, are going to jump out at me. There's no question about that. Um, so there'll be some nostalgia there being in that booth, you know, where I was with uh, Max Falkenstein and Bob Davis and Bob Newton, you know, a team that had been together for so long, um, and good friends, uh, friendships that have developed from that. But the, you know, the stadium itself is, is just going to be a lot better place to, to view football and, you know, with updated with the top, uh, amenities around it. And it's still going to be in that special spot. So uh, because of that, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, where there's going to be tears coming to my eyes, you know, uh, when we get the new one, thinking back at the old one, because the new one's just going to be a better place to, to watch football. Yeah, we're, t- we're talking with David Lawrence here, Jayhawk Radio Network. Uh, as far as the game itself, uh, it's been, as you mentioned, 14 years since, or, or 14 times since, uh, Kansas has beaten Kansas State. Going back to the last time they did beat them, uh, that that 2009 game uh, where Jake Sharp just went off for KU. What do you remember from that game? <laughs> you, you know, you know Mangino just kind of had their number. You know, um, uh, he he had developed a program. You know, uh, Kansas State. You know, never. They were good, probably not because they had the best players always, uh, just because they were a great team. The whole team concept has always been so big. They've always been really good in special teams. And, and you know, Mangino had a, a similar type of program where, you know, he had a, a, a very good team and some really good players and some couple NFL guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I just remember making some big plays and just feeling like, wow, we finally – arrived that we're going to be able to compete and you know uh, i'm sure i was hoping to to go back and having the dominance uh that that was once part of this rivalry but uh was at least hoping you know for that every other year thing and it's gone the other way so um yeah yeah, we we just have to erase that it'll be tough to look back on and i know their fans you know enjoy you know feeling that, that they've been dominant which they have been but but we've got to turn this thing around. And and, and I think Leipold, and I've said it many times on air, I, he reminds me uh, what he's done here, what Snyder did at K-State. And I know one of the top things on that list is is winning in your backyard. That's what you have to do because those are the most important things to win are those recruiting battles for Kansas kids. And that's why Bill Snyder made beating Kansas a priority and that's why Snyder used to get bye weeks before the, the KUK State game. You know, it was not an accident. And and I know that Leipold views you know this rivalry and the importance of this game first and foremost. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun one on Saturday at six o'clock. So as you look at this iteration of Kansas versus Kansas State. Uh, when when you look at the Kansas offense, obviously you know as of right now, uh, not totally clear who the quarterback's going to be. Either way, I'm sure 
Uh, Kansas is going to have trust in the QB and, and try to impose the will running the ball. We've seen them have a little bit of trouble running the ball against the 3-3-5, which is what Kansas State runs. I, I guess why why do you think that is, uh, first of all? like what, what about that type of defense is making it difficult for Kansas to run the football? That's a great question, and I like the analytics there. Uh, you, you know, I think the the three three five. Um, you really don't know what you're going to get uh, coming from the back end, uh, and how that's going to work in a, in a run fit against what you do. But I really think what's made it more difficult is is the teams that have run that three three five. The, the people, the teams that have run it, that has some really good personnel. I, you know, I I said throughout the week. Uh, leading up to last Saturday, man, this Texas Tech, I mean, they've got guys, you know, they, and it's just a quarterback, you know, they, they, they had two quarterbacks hurt as well. So, you know, we're, we're look what we're facing. Uh, but, but they got their second quarterback back and that made a big difference or Texas Tech is going to be looking for a chance to go to Arlington as well. I think, I think, you know, that they're that good and, and K-State obviously is that good? And they've got two really strong quarterbacks and haven't faced those injuries. And yes, it, it will make a difference about our quarterback situation. We don't know. I don't know at least uh, if it's going to be Jason Bean or, or Cole Ballard. Certainly Cole Ballard impressed us with a lot of things he can do. He doesn't have exactly the same attributes as a Jason Bean, but he's proven leader. Uh, the, the, the Players respond really well to him in the huddle. He's certainly not like a true freshman, but you know there's things that you know he he doesn't have quite the, as good as arm strength as, as Bean, and he's not quite as fast. But he's a gritty runner. We saw that, right? I mean, he's a guy that will you know tuck it up under and make good uh, routes running the option. Excellent uh, at ball faking. Um, really fooled me one time, and I know fooled Texas Tech, and will will stick his head in there. So players respond to that, and uh, if we we can beat Kansas State with Cole Ballard, I mean this will be a it'll be a game that Cole Ballard will go down in history, Jayhawk history, right? Um, so it'll be exciting, and we'll see what quarterback we have, and you know uh, we we did get some people nicked up last week, and we'll see. You know, if we're how many people we're going to line back up that started last week, that'll be interesting to see. But you know what? That's part of November football. Next man up. K State's got some injured linebackers, so they've got next man up. We'll be doing the same. It'll be a great atmosphere, and this game matters a lot. This is the biggest game of the year. It's bigger than Oklahoma. It, it's bigger than Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati will be a big game next week. But it's all all about winning in your back, backyard. And uh, and it's a very, very good K-State team that we face. They've been blowing out teams. They've got the best offensive line. They play as a unit. I mean, their best player is a guard. Uh, but they, they it's just scary how, you know, they pull and they always end up getting a hat on a hat, you know, where – there's no unblocked players. They always find the right guy to block. So that, uh, that's the toughest thing that they bring to the table. And good quarterback play, solid defense. So our our work is cut out for us. You know, if we can find a way to win this game tomorrow, you know, it'll be like an Oklahoma game, but it'll mean more. Well, so what do you think the key or keys are for Kansas coming out on top? Then, like, what do they have to do well if they want to win on Saturday? 
you know, we, we can't be gassed by that running attack. You know, they, they, they've always run the quarterback a lot. Uh, they, they don't have great receivers. They have two solid running backs. They've got a very veteran quarterback in Will Howard. Uh, lately, that we see less of Avery Johnson, uh, but Avery Johnson's, a, you know, he's that guy that got the five rushing touchdowns versus Texas Tech. We're seeing more Will Howard now. I think it's just it's Will Howard's team. And uh, not that they won't bring in Avery Johnson, but it's not getting gashed in the run game and making them, making them throw the ball down the field. Something they can do, but we've got a, a tremendous secondary, as you probably know, Derek, and and uh, that's just playing into our strengths. And offensively, we have to find a way to run the football right and not get behind the sticks and be able to pass on on first down and. You know, it'd be great if we can have Luke Grimm back because we missed him last week. We've got good tight ends as well. But Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw look to be healthy, and uh, I think they give us a leg up. And we have a good offensive line as well. So those guys having their best game up front and being able to run the football on Kansas State, and then I think we match up very well in special teams. Something that got us beat last year I think could be our advantage this week, this year, this week against Kansas State and that special teams making a play. He's David Lawrence. You can hear him on the Jayhawk Radio Network tomorrow, including right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. David, I appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully you're calling some fun action on Saturday. As always, Derek, it's great to be on, and thank you. I look forward to it. That was David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, You can listen to that game tomorrow after the KU women's basketball action concludes. Then it'll head to pregame. Then it'll head into kickoff at 6 o'clock. Again, KLWN and 105.9 KISS. Going out to Big Mill before the game. KISS crew going to be there 3.30 to 5.30 at the corner of 9th and Mississippi, giving out all sorts of free stuff at Big Mill. One hour down, two to go. We're going to be joined by Lee Sterling coming up at about 4.00. 30 we have plenty more KU football talk we got our game picks still to get to KU game picks and plenty more coming at you the rest of the show including some KU football audio here with RCST on KLWN KLWN KLWN.com depend on it four o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk we're gonna continue on with the KUK State Talk Lee Sterling's gonna join us in about 25 minutes from right now we got our game picks KU game picks KU football audio plenty coming at you here uh, today. So it's uh, beyond the final game at David Booth, this version of Memorial Stadium before they start construction, beyond it being K-State, top 25 matchup. It's also senior day for KU football here. 19 seniors are going to be celebrating. Um, they they released the list today, which I thought was nice because if you looked on the, the just roster, you'd be like, oh, there's only, I think, 17 or 16 or something like that. Yeah, it was kind of weird. They basically, they said the number, but then they didn't say yeah. the least the list. Well, and then there are a few players that they released the list today that are, are listed as seniors or redshirt seniors or whatever. But they're not here, which I, uh, a couple of them, I, I'd imagine, like medical redshirt. Ron McGee, one of them, remember, he detackled. He had the, the injury in the preseason. So that implies to me he'll be back for another year, which helps your detackle depth for next year. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Russell, who's a good special teams player, I think he has an injury too. Yeah, he, um, yeah I think he was out for the season. Yes, so I'd imagine that same kind of thing, that they can get a medical redshirt there. So you have a couple players like that that are listed as seniors. Um that I guess that means they can be back for another year. Also, Tavita Noah, he's technically a senior on the roster, but not 
listed on the festivities. So mm. that's good. You could have another year of him because Mason Fairchild will be, you know, graduating at the end of this. So here's the list of players who are celebrating Senior Day. And uh, let's just go through them and, and you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on every player because we only have a limited amount of time here. But yeah. I, I guess first thing that comes to mind when I say this player, whether it's a, a favorite play, memory, moment, what they mean to the to, to the program or whatever, a word, phrase, whatever you want to do, take this any way you want to go. We're going to go through this uh, one by one with some of the bigger guys. Kenny Logan. Yeah, Kenny Logan's probably one of the most notable ones because he's a guy who has stuck around through the through the downs and now through the ups of, of KU football over the course of his career. And he's just been somebody that you can rely on in the back half. I mean, you go back to the year he had a couple years ago and maybe last year after being a preseason first team all Big 12 pick the year. It didn't have quite the year he wanted to, but he's been really solid this year. And When I think of the seniors, there's a couple names that come to my mind immediately right away. Kenny Logan's at the top of that list. He's, he's one of the first guys you think of. Yeah, because I think of when, when Lance Leipold and his staff first arrived, he was one of the guys to first meet with them and uh, be instrumental in keeping a lot of those guys together. There were a couple that, that left, but for the most part, they stayed together, and that was a big reason why. Uh, I think back to you know just being a a tackling machine. He he holds the KU record for most tackles by a defensive back and uh, in, in making some touchdown plays, whether it was the pick six against yeah. BYU, kick returns that he's had that have been deep. Uh, just an all-timer here for uh, Kansas. Quentin yeah. Lasseter, kind of a newer one in terms of seeing him on the field. Yeah, yeah, Quentin Lasseter. I think name is old, though. With the relationship and obviously what the what the last name means, uh, a guy who, listen, it, in, early in the season, he stepped up and made some big plays early in the year for KU, which was really nice to see. And, Got a lot of playing time in the Iowa State game as well. So uh, another one of those guys that I think, based on name recognition, you're really excited for him. Uh, you know, with with some of the legacy of that family and and a guy that has has shown to be a true Jayhawk this season, and really really excited about uh, about him and and what he's brought to this program just this season. Yeah, I mean, it, it was somebody who came into the offseason that we didn't know if he was going to crack the two deep because they have a lot of really talented corners. Yeah. And then he made those opportunistic plays early in the season, a couple of interceptions. Really cool to see and uh, continue on that family legacy there. Uh, Rich Miller. Yeah, there's kind of two different categories of some of the seniors we go through here. There's There's guys that have been here, have been through it, up and down, and stuck around. And then there's guys like Rich Miller who – are players that came over basically with Lance Leipold and, and wanted a fresh start and wanted to build something and wanted to be a part of building something. And, and Rich Miller has been very instrumental in that. I mean, there is without question a doubt in my, any doubt in my mind that he is probably the number one vocal leader of that defense in the locker room. Uh, he's the guy that we get to talk to a lot in the media, uh, and he's always very well-spoken and, and always uh, is very, very positive in what, what he has to say. And he carries himself clearly on and off the field with with high regard and and he's just been a you know a veteran player for for KU on the field at least and he's and he's been a quality but yeah I think when I think of Rich Miller I think of his attributes off the field and what that's meant for KU you know and it's hard to quantify that right but I think when you look at him and what he's done and what he brings to the locker room for KU from a leadership standpoint that kind of stuff is invaluable invaluable and uh, it, it's He's been that guy. He, you know, he's one of the guys that came and, and decided. You know what? Hey, I want a fresh start. I want to try to be. I want to be a part of building something. And I think he certainly has been. Yeah, I mean, it's the leadership. He's a captain of the defense and somebody who came over from Buffalo. He was when he first came on. The, he was a backup linebacker at Buffalo. It was like, okay, this guy can be a rotational piece for you and help everybody ease the system. He quickly that first year became KU's best linebacker and yep. became a starter and. 
I think he's gotten better each and every year. And, uh, you know, now he helps set the foundation, whether, you know, coming over with knowing what Lance Leipold and, and what they all wanted to do and helping that culture be established here at Kansas. Mason Fairchild. Yeah, well, uh, we kind of, you kind of touched on it with the recruiting talk we had earlier in the show. Listen, Mason Fairchild is a, is a Kansas guy, right? He's a Kansas guy, a Kansas guy through and through. And now playing for KU, he has turned himself into somebody who has a decent chance to maybe be drafted uh, into the NFL. And, I mean, think about that. You know, that's very, very impressive stuff for his position. And he's, he's been really reliable uh, in, in the tight end room. Another another guy that I think his leadership is, is almost uh, – you can't really emphasize it enough, probably what he brings inside the locker room. And uh, his play on the field has certainly reflected that as well. He's been an excellent player. And uh, yeah, you know the this. I think when you get when you get into the recruiting talk, Mason Fairchild is the type of player you want to see more of at Kansas. Guys from Kansas that come up the right way and and end up being real impact impact players. I think that's really well put because he was someone who, and that's the case with some of these guys, especially that we'll get to. But like with Fairchild, he didn't hit the field much his first I don't know three years, and then it was twenty twenty one when I guess two years, whatever twenty twenty one. Uh, first year of the Leipold era, he was kind of featured a little bit more. Uh, he had a good start to the season, gets injured kind of toward the end of the season. 22-22 breaks out, had a great year. Yep. You know, uh, all Big 12 honorable mention, or I forget if he was on the second team. And you have a big expectations coming into this year, and he's hit him. He's been a reliable blocker. That part of his game has improved so much. Uh, he's been a reliable pass catcher for this team. Yeah, he is kind of the ultimate, um, and, and somebody who I, I think is a big leader in that locker room as well, of kind of the progression of what this program is looking for. Yeah. Okay, sure. This is a big one. Jason Bean. <laughs> Your guy. Jason Bean, man. Jason Bean. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm just really happy for Jason Bean. I, you know, I think the Oklahoma win has kind of elevated him in the eyes of a lot of the KU fan base, as it should have. You know, I, even before the Oklahoma win, I felt very strongly about Jason Bean as, as a guy who could have easily, and it sounded like he did want to, just walked away, just gone on and 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 you know moved on with his life after the after the uh, bowl game in the Liberty Bowl, and he decided to come back and make a significant impact. All we heard all season long is that, hey, this this guy Jason Bean, he just keeps improving. He just keeps getting better and better. And to have a player like that, where in his fifth or sixth year, and he's still improving though that way, that's incredible. That's incredible to see. And 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 obviously, his return has meant everything for Kansas this season, because without Jason being on this roster, you know maybe K would have gone out and got a transfer. Maybe Ethan Vasco would have stuck around or whatever. But things would have been drastically different to say the least. So. Uh, you know, he came here from North Texas and listen, had a, had a tough, had a tough start. I mean, you know, he, he you know, he had, he was put in a tough situation, but persevered through that. And then when faced with the decision to either walk away or, or come back and be with his team for one more year without even a guaranteed starting spot at all, he chose to come back. And I think that speaks, that speaks incredibly to not only him as a person, as an individual and his, and his, and his acumen as a teammate. But also to Lance Leipold and this coaching staff in this program of here's a guy who was wanted to you know was was comfortable being done and instead decided you know what I want to come back and, and play for this team and play for these these coaches so I think Jason Bean's legacy at this point has been written in a positive way which I'm very happy about mm-hmm. because that might not have been true that might have been a, a fair statement to say previously but uh, if you're a Kansas fan I don't know how you couldn't be thrilled that Jason Bean 
put on the Jayhawk uniform. It's been unfair to Jason Bean. We've had to do it in, in that we have scrutinized him a little more because you know what's there with Jalen Daniels. But I think because of that, the aftermath is this guy is probably, I mean, it's, it's a short era. This is only year three. Uh, the most underappreciated player of the Lance Leipold era because he has been excellent and he has filled in. He got you the win that got you bowl eligible last year. He got you the Oklahoma win this year. Um, those two in its own, I mean, the spectacular against Iowa State. Uh, dude just came up uh, for you in, in some key games. Um, so, yeah. you know, it wasn't a perfect career uh, for Jason Bean, but – a lot of awesome moments, and he is certainly one of the 10 best quarterbacks that KU football has ever had. Yeah. Uh, Craig Young. Yeah, Craig Young, uh, maybe one of the most talented transfers, uh, certainly from a from a pedigree standpoint, coming from Ohio State, coming to, to KU, and uh, I think his impact has been felt. Uh, he's, he's been an incredible value to that defense uh, as kind of that hawk, whatever you want to call it, position. <laughs> I know a lot of teams call it a lot of different things, but – uh, yeah, he's really excelled in that role, you know, and and uh, I th I think, and even Brian Boylan actually said this last week after the Iowa State game, or I guess two weeks after the Iowa State game, said that you know, this program, this staff, they put a lot on Craig Young's plate, and he he handled he handled handled it all with grace, and uh, you know, really just went out there and, and played his game and was very successful in in that role. And another one of those maybe quieter guys from the leadership standpoint, but I think definitely still very well respected, and a guy that. When you look at this KU defense and the turnaround that they've started to have over the past couple seasons, you have to have you have to have Craig Young in that conversation when you talk about that defense. Yes, uh, this is one of those transfers that KU really hit on a couple of years ago and just added a whole level of athleticism that you don't normally see uh, at Kansas. He was at Ohio State playing real snaps with that linebacker safety role. Somebody who. I, I guess he, he falls in the camp of being a believer as a transfer and whether he came in with thoughts that, you know, they could turn this thing around or thoughts of I'm going to get more playing time. The combination of the two, Craig Young has been an, an excellent addition for, for KU. Kalen Gervin. Yeah, Kalen Gervin is uh, – so correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I believe uh, was Rich Miller in part of kind of bringing on Gervin because they had that Detroit connection. Yes, I think. they knew each other. Yeah, yeah. so he, he, he comes on with, with Rich Miller and – and bought in immediately, right? Bought in immediately and has taken to his role. He actually, I have to go through the numbers. I, I, I think he played more last season, actually, right, than he has this season, it seems like. Uh, so, uh, you know, taking to his role and, and understanding his role in trying to bro, mm -hmm. grow this program and grow the defense especially. And uh, another guy that I think has a really, really quality personality and has been somebody who you can really look to in the locker room as, as, a, as a good addition to that, to that locker room. Yeah, he's he's uh you know it's it's been tough like you said. I think uh Quentin Lasser's got more snaps this year that's affected it. Also there were some quarterback injuries last year that he got more playing time, but uh to add depth, to add a level of professionalism to this locker room, I think was really important and there's another player who again, uh you kind of buy in and help establish a pipeline in an area like Detroit with Kalen Gervin. Dylan McDuffie. Yeah, Dylan McDuffie to me is a player that speaks even more so to to Lance Leipold and the staff because this is a dude that has been an established rusher, an established quality running back, and he probably would have had the opportunity to transfer somewhere and be the guy and be the top guy and have a lot and be have a lot of playing time and, and, and all that and everything that comes with that. And instead, he chose to come back to to Kansas. And when I say come back, I mean come back to reunite with Lance Leipold uh, and the staff to come back and, and be a part of this running back room with obviously two very very dynamic running backs. But what I love about Dylan McDuffie is. 
he's another one of those guys that ha- has been patient and hasn't really complained. And when his moments have come, he has seized them and and, and ran with them, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great guy. Re- I'm really glad we got to talk to him a couple times too because he's a, a very had a very interesting things to say. So, uh, yeah, a guy that when you look at this running back room, you know, last year they were kind of devastated by injuries and. Dylan McDuffie, I think, if nothing else, was really just an insurance for Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. Now, Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, knock on wood, have stayed healthy and to where Dylan McDuffie's role hasn't needed to be as significant. But again, when uh, when his when his number's been called, he's been there to answer. Yeah, and I think unselfish is the word I think of. Uh, for a guy who could have transferred to a lot of programs, he decided to come yep. here, be a veteran into a program. Hasn't always gotten a lot of carries. I, mean, I know he did in some of the early games or UCF. Um, but you kind of had to sacrifice there, and uh, I, I think that uh, speaks very highly of him and, and what kind of football player he is, team first guy. Uh, Patrick Joyner. Patrick Joyner, another uh, one-year transfer. And, you know, th- this is kind of the, the new era of college football where you have guys like a Patrick Joyner, where it's a, he's a one-year transfer, comes in for one season, looking for a fresh start, and probably couldn't have asked for a better place to do it than at Kansas, where he's he's been an effective pass rusher for KU when he's been out there. And so... Uh, it's nice to see guys like that even still get honored as as Jayhawks. You know, uh, once a Jayhawk, always a Jayhawk, right? So even though he's just here one season, has he's made his impact and has been a good addition. Yep. Uh, Joiner um, joined the program, I guess, and oh, and and was kind of that rotational again, an experienced piece to try to help them out with the uh, depth and everything. And I, I thought he's really played well over the back half of the season. Hayden Hatcher. Yeah, Hayden Hatcher is a guy that goes in the Kenny Logan Mason Fairchild category. Of players that have been through it, been through it, been through it all, mm. thick and thin. They've been there, uh, and they've kept their head down and keep kept working. and And that's the most impressive thing about Hayden Hatcher is I, I think I'm gonna say this in uh, in his most the most positive way possible. He's just a crazy man. He just is <laughs> crazy. He just works so hard, and he just never. I mean, you know, he's a guy that I think probably from the fan perspective, when you looked at some of the transfers that KU brought in on the defensive line, you would have thought, okay, Hayden Hatcher's probably gonna get shuffled down, and we're not gonna really see him at all. And that hasn't been the case because he just works. He just keeps working and working and working and gets better and better and better. And that's why he's still able to carve out a role for himself on this iteration of Kansas football. And again, another guy that you put him in that same category with those other guys through through thick and thin. They've uh, they've been true Jayhawks. Yeah, I, I think of ultimate work ethic here to go from a guy who, um, you know, really had to work his tail off to get on the field and I, get onto it more he, this year. Yeah, I believe he was a walk on. Started as a walk on. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Now. And to earn what he has now, I mean, just ultimate work ethic, and I think it bodies a lot about this program. Devin Phillips. Devin Phillips in the same category as Patrick Joyner, a guy who, you know, with a one-year transfer came in and and really became the anchor of the middle of that defense, right, on the defensive line. And he's been dealing with injury here towards the latter half of the season. I don't – I think his status is still up in the air for the K-State game or how much we'll see him if we see him at all. But, uh, yeah, a guy that – when you think about impactful transfers – Devin Phillips may not be at the top of the list when you when you first start to think about it, but man, anchoring the middle of that defensive line that's critical. Yeah, it really is, and uh, I think a a very I don't know smart, experienced player, dude, wide as a door, uh, great addition for KU to bring in, <laughs> Mike Nowitzki. Yeah, Nowitzki, uh, another one, another player that came over with with Lance Leipold and was looking to to try to be a part of building something. And you know, I think for Kansas, a lot of times when you when you look at the where the program has been. That's kind of been the real selling point of like, listen, you come to a place like this and you can be a part, you can be a difference maker, you can be a part of, of building something special. And I think Mike Nowitzki embodies that totally uh, with what he's done for Kansas and, and kind of 
being that rock on the offensive side of the ball that, uh, like we just talked about Devin Phillips, but on the offensive side for Mike Nowitzki, it's been so impressive. And uh, he's been, he handles himself with a pure class. It's great to talk to him always whenever we get the chance. And um, really, really glad that he's a Jayhawk for sure. Dominic Pooney. And by the way, yeah, Mike Nowitzki, I, I echo everything yeah. you're saying. I'm just trying to speed up because we only have a few more minutes here. Yeah, with Pooney, man, uh, we, we actually were kind of talking about off air uh, earlier earlier today about how when when Dominic Pooney came on, it was like, well, you know, eh, okay, cool, depth guy. And then he turns into probably your best offensive lineman. So, And his story is just incredibly fascinating with the journey that he's had. And uh, really, I'm, I'm really happy that his journey ended with him being a, a Kansas Jayhawk. Yes, uh, I absolutely love that dude. He's so fun to talk to. He's analytical. He, uh, he's just I don't, I don't know. He's fun, and he has been uh, for my money most underrated offensive lineman in the Big Twelve. Yeah, Seth Keller. Yeah, another one year guy. But listen, he came in with a lot of pressure on his shoulders because of how KU had been in the past with their kicking game, and uh, really, you know, came in and, and did his job early. And maybe there's been some some shaky moments here and there, but came in and, and really did shore up the kicking position to where you felt pretty confident in it for a while, which is not something you could have said previously. No. So and even with some that. of the shakiness, it's still been an improvement from where it was in the past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then a shout-out to these guys. I, they haven't played as much. So I don't think we know them as much or have talked to them, but Donovan Gaines, Reed Ver- Reese Vernon, Danny Robinson, Dylan Downing, and Krishan Brown. So uh, shout-out to all the seniors for KU football. Rock talk, boys. Yep. They'll try to add a, another memory this Saturday at 6 o'clock. All right, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is going to join us next to uh, go over some game picks. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About half past four, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we're joined now by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports to go over some of this week's game lines. So Lee, thanks for hopping on again. And uh, I guess happy early Thanksgiving was we're uh, less than a week away. Uh, first up on the ledger this week, we got Oklahoma minus 24. BYU just got blown out by Iowa State. Who do you like in this one? I mean, I don't know how you back BYU unless you get like 35, 40 points. Uh, quarterback problems, there's just not a lot of talent on this roster here. Um, very few. I think they're third from the bottom as far as explosive plays and special teams have been a problem. With Oklahoma, you know, trying to get snaps off every eight, nine, ten seconds, it's going to create a couple extra possessions here. And we've seen Oklahoma. They, they do not pull out Dylan and Gabriel until they're up 35, 40 points. I like Oklahoma big here. 61-20. Woo! A lot yeah. of points there. All right, well, uh, Oklahoma State is, meanwhile, favored against Houston by seven points. Oklahoma State just got blown out by UCF. Who do you like in this one? It's going to be tough for Oklahoma State. I mean, it's a team that, when you have something like that happen, the only other team we've seen get blown out uh, when they were a big favorite like that and coming back playing a decent team is, is Air Force, and then uh, they lose again. So, it would not shock me here. Houston, what do they do on offense? Like to run a lot of screen plays, and Oklahoma State's been uh, very susceptible to those plays. And, and also on second and third down, they will bring the pressure. And I, I said it from the beginning, this Oklahoma State team is not very talented. They got the most out of the team. But uh, now, who knows, they, they might have hit the wall. I, I think they'll win the game here probably 34-31. to 31, But uh, I think seven points is too much to lay on the road. All right, so the Cougars there. Uh, another Big 12 game features Texas giving up 7.5 at Iowa State. Who Again, Iowa State coming off that big blowout win. Texas snuck by TCU. Who do you like here? 
So a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll look at the last couple years, and Iowa State's won three of the last five games between these two teams and say, you know, getting seven points at home, probably the right side. But I think they're going to have trouble scoring touchdowns. When they get inside the red zone, just like Kansas State, they just don't have the receivers that can get any type of separation. And the windows, when you're throwing the red zone, are just so tight. Uh, I think with Quinn Ewers coming back the second game, this is probably when you'll see him probably play at his best here. So I, they just have too many players, Texas does, uh, even with the injury to their top running back. The other two guys behind him were projected to be one and two. Um, you know, they break a tackle, you miss a tackle, and they're gone 70, 80 yards. Iowa State just doesn't have those guys here. I like Texas, 31-21. All right, well, uh, the big one this Saturday here in Lawrence is Kansas versus Kansas State. The line's moving. Um, you got it at minus eight. I don't know which side you were on, but I, I guess, first of all, who yep. did you pick, and, and how does the line movement affect your pick? Now, you know. it. You know, I, I, obviously, if you're taking Kansas State, you'd like it to be seven. If, if you have uh, Kansas, you'd love to get eight, eight and a half, nine points. So, um, you know, just sometimes it's important to shop lines. I think you're going to see it, you know, move back and forth. But Kansas State, I mean, they just get up for this game. It started with Bill Snyder. It's kind of been passed on to Chris Kleiman and. Uh, they use it in recruiting. Uh, they openly, you know, tell recruits that uh, we dominate Kansas, and they don't take the players out if they get up here. So they're firing right now in all three cylinders, offense, defense, and special teams. And, you know, with the injury to Bean, you know, the difference between him and, and Ballard, I just think it's too much. And didn't like also the play calling by the Kansas uh uh, offensive coordinator. When you're down, you know, you're, you got a chance to win the game. I just thought the last three calls, first down inside the 10, a little too conservative. I thought they should have gone for the win there. So that was a little frustrating. And, uh, defense, you know, they could be on the field for a long time if Kansas State just grinds it out. So I think Kansas State's probably the right side here, 38 24. Okay, 38-24. Uh, so, I guess even if it is 10 points, then then that doesn't cover you. Uh, Monday Night Football, Super Bowl rematch. Kansas City is minus 2.5. They're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so the injury uh, to the tight end could be really big in this game, Dallas Goddard. You know, people will talk about quarterback, but he's just so important. Without him in the middle, you know, catching his six, seven balls a game, I think you're going to see Kansas City play a lot of two-high zone. And if they do that and they double the two outside receivers, they're going to tell Philadelphia, beat us, you know, with your tight end, your backup tight end. You know, use the backs out of the backfield. We don't think you can go up and down the field and, and beat us. Kansas City's defense, really good. I think they're top two, top three right now in college bas- uh, in the NFL. And, and, and they slowed down Miami. Miami held them to 14 points their season low, just 175 passing yards, and went back and watched the tape of the Super Bowl. Jim Hurts had three interceptions that were dropped by Kansas City, and and what do we see? You know, from from the Kansas City team, you know, they had uh, maybe uh, you know one of the toughest uh, games in one of the situations where. Patrick Mahomes playing with one leg throws three touchdown passes. So I think Kansas City at home with Reed calling plays. Andy Reed is just so good in these situations on a bye week. Probably the best we've ever seen from a head coach. And, and playing at home is just probably too much here. I like Kansas City, 31-21.
Free play features one of the better teams in the NFL against one of the worst teams in the NFL, Dallas minus 10.5 versus Carolina. How do people get a hold of that? Well, first five callers, we're going to give to them for free. Just call 800-400-9741. First five callers, they will get this game for free. 800-400-9741. How about this? We, we brought out this, this option here last, uh, a couple weeks ago. And what it is, it's, uh, our top eight plays today. One day all access pass. Normally, 77 to 97 dollars. All three sports, college football, basketball, NBA, and college basketball, and also our top selection in the UFC, just $17. That's right, $17 for eight selections. Two weeks ago, we went 7-1 and one on this promotion. So looking to have some fun tonight, hopefully make some money, and you do well, then you join with us for the rest of the season. Or maybe you're with us in one sport, want to try out the other sports. Eight selections, $17, one place, ParamountSports.com. All right, he's Lee Sterling again, ParamountSports.com. Lee, appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, talk to you, I guess, two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, you know, if we don't talk before then, I want to wish you and your families, staff, and everyone a happy, healthy, and a safe Thanksgiving. There we go. Well, uh, Lee Sterling joining us here again, Paramount Sports. Thanks again, man. All right, that's Lee Sterling joining us here. Let's get to our game picks coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Time for your game picks of the week with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we're going to start in college football, move to the NFL. So far in the season, Nick is 69-52-5. and five. Good record there. You were 27-26 and 26 in college football. You went 3-2 and two last week, so uh, right above 500. Okay, yeah. I am 65-58-3. and three. I've gone 25-28 and 28 in college football, but I was way down before. I've crawled my way back towards yeah. 500. You were doing really bad earlier. I was. All right, first up, number 22, Utah. At number 17, Arizona, Wildcats are giving up a point. Yeah, this is interesting to me. Arizona is are they what are they now the best? Are they still have three losses? Yeah, they have three losses. Okay. I don't think I can call. You them. You can't call them that anymore though. There's other no. three loss teams that are better. I think there are, and Utah <laughs> might be one of them. Exactly, and I believe Utah is one of them. Anytime you give me the option to ride with Mister Pig, Pig Farmer, I'm doing it. <laughs> See, okay, I don't know where to go with this because <laughs> I know this, this is like your Super Bowl. I know this is tough for me. This is tough for me. This is like your Super Bowl. I have championed Arizona for yes. for five weeks now. They yes. are really good. Yes. But now has the hype gotten too high? Mm. Has this gone too far? Oh, you know they're ranked seventeenth. They're letting it get in their heads. You know, I think Utah's really good. I, I hate to do this because I've been championing wow. Arizona all year, but Utah. Does Arizona Utah. become the best four loss team in the yes. country? Yes. Maybe that's what I need. I need them to lose, so then I can start saying that. <laughs> that's what needs to happen here. Uh, so yeah, I'll take Utah plus the point. Okay. Number one, Georgia minus ten at number eighteen, Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. So the the. The enigmatic journey of Georgia betting has been wild this season <laughs> to where Vegas over the past like six games now has been putting the line at around, like 14. Well, now it's gone. It's going down a little bit against Missouri. I think it was close to 10 and, they, and Georgia ended up covering that here against Tennessee. It's 10. I think Georgia definitely covers this. I think Georgia definitely wins. They might even win big. Against mm. Tennessee. I don't know. I, I, I think this could be a blowout. I'm taking the dogs. 
I'm going to take the underdogs against the dogs. Uh, Give me number 18, Tennessee. So I, I think Tennessee got kind of smacked by Missouri last week. They're just bad. I just don't think they're very good. Well, and that's why, honestly, you could convince me this line should be more. And I'm I think kind of so wondering too. Vegas. I, I thought it would be like 17 to 20. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, I'm wondering if Tennessee had Vegas a look is ahead. scared of Georgia. It could be. It could be. I'm wondering if Tennessee had a look ahead last week. They were looking so far ahead to. to Dude, Missouri Georgia. is top 10. What are you I looking know. ahead to? You well, got a top 10 know. team right there. Yeah, I, I, I think Tennessee, though. They play, they're playing this one at home. Rocky top. I'm just going to go with the Vols plus okay. 10. Okay. Why not? Number 10, Louisville is at Miami minus a point. Yeah, I just, I don't know what to do about Louisville. I mean, what, what, what are we supposed to do with that? I mean, they're like a pretty good team, I think, but they got blown out by Pitt as their only loss, and Pitt stinks. Like, what are they? Who are they? I don't know. Who are I, you? <laughs> I think Miami, I think Miami's going to win this game. On the road, I don't know. I'm, I have too many questions about what Louisville is. To bet on them, Miami sneaky has been, I think, pretty solid this year. Give me the Canes. Ooh, okay. I do you always pick the Canes because the Raising Canes? I just realized that. Um, no. Which Cane is better? Well, obviously the Raising Canes <laughs> is better. That's no question about that. Uh, I'm gonna take Miami too. This feels like a Vegas knows something line. Why is Miami favored? They have four losses. Louisville's ranked tenth in the I know, country. Miami's been kind of good this year. They have. They've been better won. than the record because they're six yeah. and four. Obviously, um, they had the terrible Mario Cristobal game. Yes, they should have just won that. <laughs> yeah. They'd be seven and three, and then they probably ranked. And then they have yeah. close losses yeah. to some teams. So, yeah. yeah, they're pretty good. I'm going to take Miami minus one. Yeah. Number five, Washington at number eleven, Oregon State minus one. People were uh, were surprised this wasn't game day. Uh, in Corvallis. I mean, you have a top eleven matchup. Yeah, where, where playoff like, game implications. They went to James Madison, right? They went to James Madison, which yeah. people which are basically been there saying. Before. Well, they buried Oregon State by not having them join one of the conferences, since ESPN is kind of the shadow behind the, uh, yeah. the puppeteer of. Well, what's, crap, what's even more crap is have, they've been to James Madison before. Right? Yeah, they have, and they've probably never been. Also, to James Valley. Madison can't even go to a bowl game, which that rule is Allegedly, stupid. But they're yeah, they're they are suing. They appealed it, but well, yeah. The I don't know what was denied. Uh, yeah, listen, I've been to Corvallis, Oregon. It's a nice, it's a nice little town. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, as a, as someone being from Kansas, though, I did not like the fact that they have really tall pine trees everywhere, mm-hmm. and you can't see your. I felt claustrophobic. There's trees everywhere. You know, in Kansas, you can walk outside your door and you can see it in all directions because it's, you know, it's, it's cool. That's what I didn't like about Corvallis. Because of that, I'm picking Washington. Wow. I did like Corvallis when I went there. Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon State. Again, this could be a bit of a Vegas know-something line. Why is Oregon State favored over a team who's undefeated, number five in the country? Yeah. But beyond that, I think the crowd is going to be pumped up, fired up, ready to go. I really like Jonathan Smith, the head coach of Oregon State. I really like the Beavers. DJU, baby. Washington's played with fire in some of these games lately. It feels like they almost deserve a loss. I mean, Michael Penix had... The Heisman Trophy in his back pocket, and then just gave it away because Whoops. they started yep. sucking for like a couple games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Oregon State. Uh, number seven, Texas is minus seven and a half at Iowa State. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Texas's strategy the past like three or four games for them has been get up really big and then just park the bus and hang on for dear life and hope you win, and it's worked. The question in this game though is if they get up big against Iowa State, how much realistically can Iowa State come back on them? For that reason, I'm going to go with Texas in this one. I think, you know, let's say Texas does do what they normally do and they get a big and it's, you know, 24 to 3 or something like that. And Iowa State does try to come back a little bit, but how much can they come back? So I'm going to go with Texas here. I'm going to go with Iowa State. I don't love this one, to be honest, because the fact that Texas kind of 
They almost lost last week at TCU. You don't see teams who are really good flirt with losing back-to-back weeks very often. Well, when then, they're then both the, the case they game before that. Yeah, so like I, I don't know. Plus, Quinn Ewers me, is back. It makes me think Texas can bounce back, but I, I don't know. Maybe Quinn Ewers is still shaking off the rust. Uh, Jonathan Brooks now out for the season. That's a big loss for them, yeah. especially against an Iowa State team that has a really good defense. Playing in Ames, it's a tough place to play. I think Iowa State covers. Close game. Okay. Maybe pulls the upset. Hmm. What is your lock of the week? You were 5-5-1 five, five, and one in college football. Dude, honestly, the, the overall college football slate this week, not a lot of picks that I felt really confident in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the well here. Even though the well betrayed me last time I went to, I went here, Rutgers mm, plus twenty Butgers last time against we them. Penn State. They were not Butgers because they only lost by half a point, and it was BS how they lost. They should that bet should have won. I'm still really upset about that. They should have covered against against Michigan. I'm taking them again against Penn State plus twenty. Okay, I. I don't love a lot of the lines. I, I didn't go, either. I know. That was a problem. I'm going to go Memphis plus nine against SMU. Both teams are eight and two. So, I mean, low-key, if either one wins out, wow. maybe they have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, it seems like it's open enough. If James Madison can't go, Air Force is kind of dropped off. Tulane's still there. Tulane's right? there, but, you know, winner Wouldn't of this play is going to get a chance to play yeah, Tulane, say, right? They play in the American title. Um, Memphis is playing at home. One of Memphis's two losses to Missouri by, like, a close score. So, Memphis might be good. SMU's looked really good so far this season, but I'm going to take Memphis plus the nine points playing. Okay. On to the NFL, you're 34 and 14 and two. Yeah. That is an unbelievable That's mark. That's what we like to NFL. hear. I'm 28, 21, and one. You're, you're, I mean, you're doing pretty good, too. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I'd gladly take that. Continuing on. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland, the Browns are minus one. Dude, what a sucky, sucky <laughs> game. I mean, the Browns are going to start. Are they starting Dorian Thompson? Dorian Thompson Robinson, yeah. yes. And the one time he did start, he was so bad, they didn't start him again, right? But Early in the season? Yes. So they went with uh, <laughs> they started, PJ uh, Walker, I think, in the other Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And that, oh, oh, and by the way, that dude's favored. He's favored. Because Pittsburgh's got Kenny Pickett. And if he gets hurt again, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, what? I mean, this game's going to set football back 100 years. <laughs> And this is exactly the type of game that Mike Tomlin wins. Pittsburgh. That's true. Did you know the Steelers are the first team in NFL history to be six and three despite yeah they've been yeah they've been outgained every game yes they've been outgained in yards every game. I think this is a game that they're going to win the division. They might. I mean, Uh, literally, straight up, they're going to win the division. Ravens are there. I'm going to take the Browns. I I think Uh. both defense is good. Browns are the home team. Uh, Cleveland does it with also I think there's supposed to be some inclement weather for that game like some high winds I think for that game so So neither team can pass I actually think Cleveland is a better running game uh yeah that's probably true Mm -hmm. Las Vegas at Miami the Dolphins are giving up 13 and a half yeah I have I mean listen I know they say that games aren't played on paper I think we can just play this game on paper (laughs) I I feel like Miami's gonna win pretty easily right I mean I don't know I mean Las Vegas is more inspired now with Antonio Pierce and Devontae Adams is loving life again. Dude, you want to talk about a roller coaster of emotions? That dude wanted to wanted to wanted to sail off into the sunset and never play football ever again because of Josh McDaniels. And now he's happy as a clam. But I'm taking Miami here. Off a of bye week. They they this is a game, I think, for Miami where it's like they're gonna win big and then everyone's gonna be like, Whoa, Miami, 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 and then they're gonna collapse again. So mm-hmm. I'm taking Miami. I'm taking Miami too. I I think Raiders are are a very like average, below average team. They're winning some good games. Good for them with what Antonio Pierce has done so far. But in a game like this, I'm taking the Dolphins. New York Jets are at the Buffalo Bills. Two teams that are uh, 
I don't know. Honestly, like, this this might be you, lo- you lose this game for either team. You're out of the playoff race. Yeah. So the the Bills are five, five and five. Seven. What are the what are the Jets? So they the, the four, four and five, five or five? four and six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this this game is intriguing for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I would say. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Jets. They 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 beat the Bills in I guess maybe a fluky fashion to start the season. I think this game is gonna be closer than seven points though. I think seven. I don't know. I guess maybe the th- the logic is that Vegas is, thinks the Bills are going to be pissed off and they're going to come out and just you know railroad the Jets. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't know that the Jets win, but I'll take them to cover seven points. I'm going to take the Jets. I mean, they just play the Bills close. Like they they beat them last year in one of the games. They beat them earlier this year. They play them close. Bills are struggling right now. Give me the Jets in a close game. Minnesota at Denver. Broncos are giving up two and a half. Mm, this is an interesting game, dude. The Broncos. I was wrong. You were right. Kind of good. This year, I was last year. I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> this year, I was wrong. You were right. They're, they well, might I thought end they'd up... be bad this year, though. I don't know. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were still championing them no. to win seven games. No. Or eight games. I, at this point, looks like they could. I know. I mean, honestly, That's what I'm saying. they have a sneaky shot of the playoffs. Bill. Uh, I understand. Bro- yeah. Joe Burrow out for yeah, the year now. I think if they you lose last night, if Bill you assume, struggling. yeah, if you assume that the Bills and the Bengals are both going to fade. They have the Suddenly, the, the AFC now. playoff ba- picture does become a lot more muddled and a lot more interesting in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, so, I think in this game, though, dude, how can you not roll with Josh Dobbs? The guy's Superman. <laughs> give, me, give me the Vikings. I do Skull. love this Josh jo- Dobbs. Skull! In Denver, though, they're playing really well. Skull! I'm taking the Broncos, minus two and a half. Monday Night Football, Philadelphia at Kansas City. The Chiefs are favored by two and a half. I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, I'm I. <laughs> Have I ever gone against the Chiefs one time? I don't think you have. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe one. I'm I, taking the Chiefs here. Okay. What's up? What, what I, I think saying? you might have. I think I picked the, the Chargers. The Broncos. Or no, uh, the Broncos? In Denver. But you didn't pick them to lose. You just picked them to win an ugly game. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I think I think the Chiefs will, will win this game. Listen, I mean, this, this is like the storybook week slash two weeks for the Chiefs in terms of like the NFL script items. Everything goes their way last week in the bye week. Now you've got the Kelsey Bowl, the Taylor Swift Bowl, whatever you that, whatever the hell you want to call it. Chiefs, Eagles on Monday Night Football primetime. I mentioned this last week when the Chiefs played the Dolphins. The Chiefs they they get up for these games. Mm-hmm. These games are always close, and most of the time they usually end up winning these games, with the exception of like the Bengals in the regular season and the Bills, I guess. But they get up and they find ways to win these games. Chiefs. So I'm gonna go with the Eagles. We saw. I don't know. Sometimes we see the Chiefs lose the games, though, where they're revenge games for the other team, like the Bills in the regular season sometimes. Yeah. Um, to where the Eagles, this is a revenge game for them off the Super Bowl. Yes, the Chiefs are off the bye. So are the Eagles. They're coming off a bye. Except yeah. They didn't yeah. have to travel back from Germany, which yeah, I, okay. who knows how that affects I think it's so weird that the whole coming off a bye narrative, it seemingly only applies to the Chiefs. <laughs> it's like if any other yeah. team is coming off a bye, it's like, doesn't matter. But with the Chiefs, it's like, oh, they're coming off a bye. Yeah. But with every other team, it's like, oh, who cares? Yeah. Well, okay, the thing that gets me in this one is I go back to the Super Bowl last year, and remember what happened in the second half of that game. The Chiefs started to run the ball down the Eagles' throat. Like, that that first drive that they had in the second half, Pacheco's running like a madman. Yeah. Feed pistachio. They haven't ran the ball as well this year as they did at the end of last you know, year. They're actually passing more this year than they were last year? That's crazy. Isn't that crazy to you? Yeah, that is That's crazy. That's crazy to me, too. Also, the Eagles' run defense is way better. Like, they might have the best run defense in the NFL this year. Last year, they were kind of, you know, average at They were better, like, pass defense. 
Um, so I don't know that you have that bailout that you have this year. Now, the, the Chiefs' defense is better than it was last year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I have too many concerns about the Chiefs' passing game and the lack of receiver activity that I'm going to go with the Eagles. Okay. Okay, Mr. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> That was so weird. If you missed what Nick is talking about last night in the post game, Ryan Fitzpatrick was, like, was just like, "I think Chiefs it'd be good for the Chiefs to get blown get out." Blasted. No, he was yeah. like, "I think it'd be good for them if they yeah. get blown out." You know, reset them. It's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> How about just beating the other really good team and showing that you're really good too? Anyway, uh, lock of the week. You're three and seven. Uh, I'm five and five uh, in the NFL for locks of the week. What do you like? Give me the Dallas Cowboys minus ten and a half against the Carolina Panthers. This this game is made for Dallas, man. They just blast bad teams. I mean, they absolutely annihilate them. This is lock of the century. I mean, blood bank lock of of the millennium, Dallas over Carolina. Okay, I like that one. I am a little weirded out why it's only 10.5, though. That does scare me a little bit. But, yeah, Dallas kills bad teams. I'm going to go Tennessee plus 7 at Jacksonville. Titans play close and win division games. I don't know if they'll win this one. Jacksonville, weirdly, has been worse at home, though. Yeah. Uh, I think they're coming off a bye, too. Tractor Cedo season with Derrick Henry. Coming off a bye, fresh legs. Tennessee keeps it close, if not wins. That's my luck of the week. All right, that's our game picks. Let's get to our KU game picks. Coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, some KU football audio after that, too. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, it's going to be a fun Saturday. We've got your KU football action at 6 o'clock right here on KLWN and over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. KISS crew is going to be out of Big Mill from 3.30 to 5.30, giving away all sorts of free stuff. You can get some great food and drink at Big Mill before, during, or after the football game. So stop by there and uh, win some free stuff out there at the corner of 9th and Mississippi. If you're so inclined, you can... Uh, Baker University, they're playing in a playoff game this Saturday at 1, so you can uh, check that out before the KU football game at 6. So, lots going on this weekend. Uh, that said, before we get to some KU football audio later this hour, we got to do our game picks. And by the way, I will, I'll mention this right now real quick. What's that? Uh, next week is going to be a short week. We yeah. don't have a show Thursday or Friday. Um, Wednesday, we might not have a show. It depends what happens with KU and the Maui Invitational. If we do yeah. have a show Wednesday, it'll probably be a short show. Um so we'll we'll get into plenty more KU Maui Invitational next week. We'll get into KU Cincinnati probably early next week. We'll get into our Chiefs Eagles preview on uh, Monday show. So uh, if you're looking for any of that, that's where it'll be. It'll be uh, next Monday. So our KU football game picks. Both of us are doing really well on our KU basketball game picks. KU football has not gone great, but it hasn't gone, I guess, horribly either. Yeah. Uh, you've gone ten and ten. I've gone eight and twelve. We've not been including prop picks in this though with our records. So we're going to do that for this week's game. Okay. Kansas is getting 10 points officially is what the line is right now on DraftKings. Use code KLWN. What would you like? Kansas plus 10 or K-State minus 10? Yeah, I talked about this earlier in the show. I just, I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm drinking too much Kool-Aid here or I'm, or I'm wearing too much rose-colored glasses. I just, I just don't see this Kansas team getting blown out by Kansas State. I don't see them losing by, by a big number, by double digits here. I just don't see it. I think they've... They're, this is the best coaching they've had in 15 years. The most talented team they've the most talented team they've had in 15 years. I understand the quarterback situation, but I just I'm having a hard time seeing it. I think Kansas will keep this game close, uh, closer than 10 points. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kansas plus plus the 10 here. So you talked about this earlier in the show. How often do they get blown out? Well, um, 
this year, besides the Texas game, like I guess basically put it this way: if you were giving Kansas ten points every game this year, they would year, have covered every game. Except they'd be Texas, nine right? and one. Yeah, right against yeah. that specific spread. You go back to last year, it would have been every game except Texas. Right? Well, or, no, I guess by, lost Texas. So they lost by seven to TCU, so would have covered there. Lost by ten to Oklahoma, so that would have been a push. Okay. Twelve to Baylor, so just outside of that. Fifteen to Tech, outside of that. Tech yeah. by forty-one. K State by twenty. So actually, it wouldn't have helped that much last year. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um... I just have a hard time seeing it. Again, maybe, maybe, maybe I've got the road color glasses on a little bit too much, but I just, I just don't see it. I don't see it with this environment at home. The the team that you have, if you can't, I understand the quarterback situation. I just, I just don't see it. If you told me it's Jason Bean, I would be comfortable taking them with the ten. I would be comfortable taking them with the seven and a half that it opened as. I liked what we saw from Cole Ballard, but it's another thing to go up against Kansas State. They've one of the best. They're they're second in the Big Twelve in points allowed per game. I would say it's one thing to go. It's another thing to go up against Kansas State right now. Yeah, with the way they're playing. That Can to me is the biggest KU thing. KU keep it close. I'm gonna take KU with the ten. I don't feel great about it. I don't because K State has dominated this series. They've won 14 straight. Streaks were made to be broken. It, they were. Friend. They care about this game so much, and you're you're right. This is the best Kansas team in a long time. It's still a good Kansas State team, you know? So I don't feel great about it, especially with the quarterback stuff, but I'm going to ride with the fact that it's senior day, 6 o'clock game, sold-out crowd, emotion on your side, coming off a loss. You have all the reasons in the world to play hard, to play together, to play physical, and to play a tight football game. I'll take Kansas plus 10. I mean, we're going to get to Rich Miller audio and, and more here in a second, but Rich Miller described this as as a game where you get carried off the field. Yeah. So if that doesn't give you a little bit of a window into maybe what some of the guys were thinking in that KU locker room, I don't know what will. Yep, and uh, certainly that would be cool if uh, they did get carried off the field. Well, I think he meant it, he meant it from like an effort standpoint, from like sure. you, you, you play so no, hard I, that you I, have I to get carried off. They should carry them. If they win the game, carry the players off the field. Do it. Why not? Players, goalposts, everything. Yes, everything. I mean, they're, they're trying to get rid of the stuff anyway, right? Because they're, they're going to do construction True, on yeah. it, so just help do them you out. Think, so do you think they will – so remember, after they, they took the goalposts against Oklahoma, the KU grounds crew had new posts up within like 30 yeah. minutes. Do you think if they tear them down again on like, Saturday – Take everything tomorrow, else. Leave the goalposts. You know? <laughs> well, do you think they put up new ones right away, or do you think they just say, yeah, you know, we're going to take them down anyway? Probably just leave it down <laughs> at that point. They're just, you're just doing the job for them. Okay, uh, the over-under is 57 and a half. Mm. This is this to me is the tougher pick. Oh, that's real tough. Because I uh, mean, I thirty one twenty eight gets you over. Yeah, but again, K State's only given up thirty points under. twice. Yeah, and it was thirty three and thirty. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm you gonna, go back to Kansas needs to win this game. You're gonna probably have to hold K State under thirty. Lance Lightfoot yeah, era, they're eleven and one when holding opponents thirty or less. I'm gonna lean under here. I'm gonna lean under here. I think it's gonna be close though, because you know, like again, thirty one twenty four. You're only off by. I mean. 31-27 gets you there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So even thirty-one twenty. So I think it could be in that ballpark, but uh, I will lean under. I'm going to lean under as well. I don't. The weather is not going to be like it's going to be perfect. Yeah, it's exactly. Beautiful. It's it's not going to be from a. It's not going to be a factor. It's yes, exactly. I mean, it will be a little colder. It'll be at oh, night. So like, grow up. But it's going to be like fifty degrees. Yeah, I, I don't see it really having much of an impact on the I, game. You did not just say it's going to be colder. 
Well, like colder. Cold. I mean, like colder than like, for instance, right now. It's gonna be probably at night, like forty degrees, fifty degrees, whatever. Okay, right? well, it's not for the be middle of November, that's that's balmy. No, I know. I agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying it's different when you're playing in fifty degrees, even if that's warm for November, than it is playing in ninety degrees. It is <laughs> changes things a little bit. Okay, fine. All right. Um, but yeah, it's it's not something that's gonna have a huge impact on the game. I just think when you think about an emotional football game. A lot of times, I think sometimes that can lead to more mistakes from the offense, hard hitting from the defense. I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to take the under here. Okay. I'm thinking more like 31-24 at the high end of the volume here. Maybe something closer to 28-21, 24-21, somewhere in that range in this game. Do you have a favorite prop bet? There yeah, are some so prop we bets were, on DraftKings right now, but not everything's up there. Yeah, so we were just talking about this off air. Given the circumstances around KU with their quarterback position, it seems like the uh, the betting situation is that they're just not going to be putting out really that much yeah. for KU uh, leading into the game because maybe closer to kickoff. But. Yeah, because they, they they can't be sure who's who's going to be starting what. Um, so with that being said, what about uh, what about this? Here, let me, Kansas. Let me, what? Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, let me float a couple at you to see if any of these are interesting to you. Kansas first quarter plus three and a half. See, I was looking at Kansas first half. Because if you're going to do well, you probably have to start hot, right? Yeah, I was first looking, half I was plus looking six at Kansas and first half plus That's six interesting. and a half. That's uh, interesting. What about this? If, if you think Kansas is going to be within 10 points, how many points do you think? Because you can get Kansas State under 31 and a half at plus 120. That's kind of interesting. That is interesting. That is interesting. Now, there's some other player props on FanDuel, um, which I should also mention. I saw this one on DraftKings, which... You know, this isn't a KU one. I'll just mention it. Ben Sinnott over under 38 and a half receiving yards. I would be pounding the over there. Well, Nonetheless. Did you see uh, DJ Giddens rushing total? 87 and a half mm. see, mm. for his rushing total. Interesting. Uh, Devin Neal's really... on FanDuel is 88 and a half. That's a high number. I think if KU's going to win, it's going to be over. I would probably agree with that. You can get touchdown bets on Kansas. Devin Neal's minus 140. Daniel Highshaw plus 135. Luke Grimm plus 210. Lawrence Arnold plus two ten, Quentin Skinner plus two seventy, Mason Fairchild plus two seventy, Jason Bean plus three hundred, like Cole Mason. Ballard plus three hundred. I like Mason Fairchild. Okay, Tanaka Scott plus three ten, Dylan McDuffie plus four hundred, Trevor Wilson plus four sixty, KU defense plus seven hundred. Okay, so it, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Is it the KU defense only, or is it the D and special teams? It just as Kansas defense, so I think it's mm-hmm. just the defense. If you gave me both, I, I might take that. Yes, agree. Um. I think actually there is value in taking one of Jason Bean or Cole Ballard plus three hundred, because if 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 he doesn't play, if Jason Bean doesn't play, you just get your money back. The risk there but he plays one snap. That's what I'm telling you. He's going to play one. So maybe snap. there's not value there. He's going to play. Uh, I think the bet there is Devin Neal minus one forty. I know it's not great value minus either. odds, but yeah. like it's not horrible odds either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to take. All right. Well, for the game, what are you thinking? For the game? What game do you predict- mean? Like score predictions. Oh. Um, you want to do that? Sure. I mean, we took Kansas plus 10. Okay. I'll take uh, K-State 31, Kansas 24. Give me the Kansas Jayhawks. Okay. Maybe. Kansas. Okay. I'll say I'll say Kansas 27-23. All right. Kansas. Nick's more optimistic than I am. Which is normal. Usually, I'm more of the pessimist. But hey, hey but what, what was the week. name of that guy? I took that, Kansas that, last week. Who, who was our? William, yeah, William. I think. Was that our? No, I took uh, Tech last week. Actually, our mailbag. Our mailbag question that said that it's better when we when you take. I guess so. Kansas. So should I not take Kansas with the spread then? Do I need to change um, my pick? No, I think you're fine. Okay. 
don't know. He's we'll Nick see. Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Let's get some KU football audio. Dominic Pooney, Rich Miller, Kenny Logan, Mike Nowitzki, all seniors coming up next on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.